Hey, so good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Brian. It's, it's awesome to be here with you at my home campus. We live just two miles from here, and uh, I love the short commute on a Sunday morning when I'm here. Uh, Alpine, if you're newer to Alpine, we're a multi-site church, so we have several campuses kind of around the area. In fact, that's why we've been studying the Gospel of Mark. Um, since the beginning of the year, it's, it's all about Jesus, and today it brings us to Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, you can turn there with me now. We've got a lot of ground to cover, but this is the place in Scripture where, if you were here last week, Jesus had just brought Peter, James, and John up onto the mountaintop, and he, he was transfigured before them. He, he revealed himself to Peter, James, and John, but the other nine disciples were, down, were still down the mountain. And it turns, we're going to learn today that it turns out that there was, while they were down the mountain waiting for Peter, James, and John and Jesus to come back, they ended up having this interaction that leads to today's message about how much is possible with Jesus. You'll see why here in a second. But before we get into the text, I, I think we should ask this question, where do you turn when you're faced with the impossible? An impossible situation, where do you turn? Who do you call? Who do you call when you're faced with an impossible situation? You know, another way to ask this question is, do you call mom or dad, right? Who do you call? And it depends, doesn't it? Kind of depends on the situation, right? In our family, at least, if it's a car problem, you call dad. Anything else, you call mom. Anything else, you call. Now, that's not because I know cars or anything like that. It's just like, I know him a little bit better than Tracy does, and so I just, just a couple months ago, Kenzie calls and says, I got a problem with my car, and it's a brand new car she had just bought last year, and so she got dad involved, and, and just even this last week, finally, we, I went into the dealership with her, and I, I let him have it. I let him have it at the dealership, and that's what Kenzie, we're, Kenzie and I were driving to the dealership, I'm like, hey, How's this going to go here? You know, because my daughter's an adult now. I don't want to, like, step, overstep my boundaries with her. She's almost 23 years old. So I'm just like, you know, she's got her job. She already makes more money than I do. It's great. So I'm like, how is this going to go here? Do you want me to be dad? She's like, yeah, would you be dad, please? And like, she gave me the green light. So I got in there, and I had some words with the dude at the counter and uh, it was pretty funny. Tracy kind of chewed me out afterwards. She's like, you know, you kind of went from zero to 100 pretty quick there, Brian. I'm like, I'm the dad, you know. Kenzie asked me. She gave me permission. And guess what? They're rebuilding her engine. Can I get an amen? They're rebuilding. Yeah, because she called dad. All right. But for everything else, Kenzie and my son, AJ, for everything else, they call mom. I remember when Kenzie was in college and she was having, you know, anxiety issues with her roommate, relationship issues with her roommate, and she, I'm just sitting on the couch listening to her talk to, to Tracy. Like, those, those conversations were with mama, and I, I think that's one of the reasons God, God's design is for us to have a mom and a dad. I know that's not everyone's situation, but that's, that really is why God's design is that we have a mom and a dad, because we're built a little bit differently, and sometimes you need mama, and sometimes you need dad. But where do you turn when faced with the impossible? You know, maybe you, you've got a, a diagnosis. In fact, Riker, from that video, his dad has brain cancer. That was one of the 
issues that he's been dealing with over these last couple of years. His dad has brain cancer, and, and it's a death sentence. And we're praying, we're still praying for his dad that God would heal him. But you also turn to doctors, right? You also go to the doctor. You also look to medication. I remember when I, when I had a health scare years ago when the kids were little, I had a health scare. The doctors thought I had cancer. I didn't, but they did. And I remember just my first thing was to go to the doctors and to get whatever medication I could get and go whatever surgeries I needed. And even for me as a person of faith, it really kind of made me question, like, do I trust in doctors more than I trust in God for my healing? And maybe for you today, you're here and you say you've got an impossible situation right now. Maybe it is relational. Maybe it is physical, a health problem with you or with someone in your family. I want you to think about this question even as we look at the text for today. So let's go to it. Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, so Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down off the mountain after this transfiguration experience where like Jesus reveals himself to the disciples. He reveals himself to these three, the inner circle. And so they're literally coming down off of a high, coming down off of this mountaintop experience like our students from Summerfest a couple weeks ago, coming back to reality and now you're living back in reality. This is what's going on. And right away they see a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them, with the other nine disciples. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. So just, I want you to make sure to, I want to make sure you understand the scene. Like Jesus is coming down, they've just had this incredible experience where he, the whole gospel of Mark is about, is about Jesus revealing himself to the disciples and then also to us. That's what the whole gospel of Mark, and so last week's message was sort of the climax, like Jesus revealed that he is God, he's fully God, he's fully God. Remember, that's the context for what we're reading today. And now they come back to reality and there's conflict already, there's like, we come down off of this incredible experience, and already we're involved in conflict. And Jesus is like, what's all this arguing about? And one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. But you weren't here. You were on vacation. You were up in the mountaintops. They didn't, they didn't know where Jesus was. They just knew that he wasn't there. I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground and then he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. And so I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. But they couldn't do it. I don't know if you remember, if you were here a few, probably a couple months ago, Jesus sent out his disciples Remember this? He sent out his disciples and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits. And here they are. Jesus is gone. Peter, James, and John are gone. And this, this desperate dad, we don't even know his name, this desperate unnamed dad brings his son looking for Jesus. There's no Jesus around. He's like, well, maybe these guys, maybe his followers will know. And they thought they did know because they'd done it before. I want to make sure you understand that. They had done it before. They'd cast out demons before. But they couldn't do it here. We'll, we'll get into why here in a second. Jesus is going to explain why at the very end. So hang in there. 
And here's what Jesus said to them. You faithless people, how long must I be with you? We've seen this, Jesus, many times in in these scriptures that Jesus is just exasperated. He's just worn out by the people. There have been several places where he's just been like, oh, like how, why do I have to keep putting up with this? Usually, usually it's directed toward the Pharisees. Usually it's directed toward the, and remember the Pharisees were here. I don't know if you, we just read this, but the Pharisees were, I don't know why the Pharisees are here. What do they have to do with any of this? The, the rest of this story is about Jesus interacting with this father and then also Jesus teaching his disciples. That's really what this whole thing is about. But don't forget that when he first came off the mountain, the Pharisees are creating, they're stirring up trouble, creating conflict. Why? Because the Pharisees were always trying to disprove Jesus. The, the religious leaders of the day were trying to disprove Jesus. They were trying to make Jesus look bad. We're going to see this again next week, and we'll see it again the week after. And so at first you might think that, that when Jesus says, you faithless people, that he's talking about the Pharisees, that the Pharisees are faithless people. And they are faithless people, by the way. We know that. Jesus has already established that. But I think Jesus is talking about his nine disciples here. I think he's, when he says, you faithless people, I think he's, I think it makes more sense that he's thinking about his closest followers who couldn't cast out the demon. You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? I mean, it's not that he doesn't love them. We, parents, we get this. Like sometimes our kids just wear us out. They just exasperate us and we're just like, oh my gosh, when are you gonna leave? <laughs> right? Because that's how we say it. See, Jesus is saying, when am I gonna leave? Because he knew that his time was short on the earth. But for, for the average family, we're just like, when are you gonna leave? My son, AJ's 20, he still lives with us. This isn't normal. It's not normal. Like, uh, it's one thing if my daughter still lived with us. Now, my, my son's in college still, so it's okay. We've already had the conversation, but he's on the clock, and he knows it. And so, like, for me, it's like, how, how long must you be with me, right? This is how it goes in our family. This is the conversation with us. It's just, I don't know, it's something about sons. This is, this is for another sermon. But there's something about when you got a son and a dad, and you, like he's a man now, he's almost taller than me. He's like six four. That means he's actually way taller than me. But don't tell him. Don't tell him. He still gets up. I'm like, you almost got me, buddy. You almost got me. He's like this. But there's something about a son, like that alpha dog thing. There's just something. When Kenzie comes home, it's wonderful. But when AJ's there, it's just like there's clashing there because he needs to be his own man. Amen. He needs to be his own man. Could you tell him that? Everybody send him an email. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love my son. But Jesus is saying, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? Like, have you not learned anything yet? I mean, he's trying to reveal himself. He's trying to teach them. Have you not learned anything yet? And so finally he says, bring the boy to me. And here's what happens. Verse 20, the healing. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. Isn't it interesting? We've been studying this, that, that 
people are slowly learning who Jesus really is, but the demons already know who Jesus really is. You know, just a couple weeks ago, Peter finally confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, like finally a human being confesses who Jesus is. And literally, just the previous scene is Jesus is revealing himself to Peter, James, and John. So they're getting who Jesus is, but the demons already know who Jesus is. In the spiritual realm, the spiritual authorities already know who Jesus is. The qu- that's not the question. The question is, what do you think about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you're still trying to figure that out. That's the biggest question. That's the most important question you can ask is, who do you think Jesus is? The demons already knew. And so when they saw Jesus, they're like, we, this is our last ditch chance. The Bible says that, that, the, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what's happening here is Satan and his demons are trying to destroy this child. And so they, they, they see Jesus, and they throw the child into a violent convulsion, and he falls to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. I mean, could you just imagine this? So Jesus is standing there watching this happen, and this, this poor boy is having like a seizure right in front of him, and he says, how long has this been happening? And the father answered, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Could you imagine this? Some of you parents can imagine this. It's one thing when you go through something difficult, but when you see your kid go through something difficult, it's a whole different thing, isn't it? Could you imagine how desperate this dad is? Like, seeing the enemy destroying his kid. Seeing the enemy trying to kill his child. This this would make a father so desperate because the father couldn't do anything about it. The father was helpless. The father was hopeless. The father was powerless and parents or anyone. If you've ever been there in that situation where you're like, I can't help. I don't know what to do. This is the question. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Where do you turn when you don't know what to do? When you're desperate for you or for a family member, for your kids, where do you turn? And this is where where the father turns. He turns to Jesus and he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Now when we read these words, we don't always know the pauses. We don't always know the intensity. But I think that statement was spoken through tears with incredible intensity. Have mercy on us, on us, help us if you can. And Jesus says, remember the son is still writhing and foaming at the mouth, right here, right, probably right in front of Jesus and the father, probably right in between them. And Jesus hasn't healed him yet. Jesus says, what do you mean, if I can? Isn't that interesting? What do you mean, if I can See, Jesus is trying to understand this father's faith. He's trying to understand what kind of faith the father has. You know, months ago when we looked at this this leper that came to Jesus for a healing, the leper said, I know you can heal me. I know you have the power to heal me. But he says, if you're willing, will you do it? So see, months ago, this interaction was with this leper that that knew the greatness of Jesus. He knew the power of Jesus. He didn't know the heart of Jesus. 
And this story is the opposite. Here the father knows the heart of Jesus. He just doesn't know the power of Jesus. He says, if you can. The leper said, I know you can. So the father has a little bit of a faith issue here, and some of you maybe can relate to the father. Some of you maybe feel the same way, like I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to figure out who Jesus is or how powerful he is or, or whether he can heal in this situation or whether he can do this thing in, in my life that I need relationally or whether, whether he can provide for me financially. Some of you are here saying, I'm not really sure what I think about Jesus and his power. Well, you'll relate to this dad. And so Jesus makes this statement that's really powerful. He says, anything is possible if a person believes. It's kind of like the, it's the, it's the moral of the story, I guess, if, you're gonna, if you want to say, like, I, like, what's the moral of the story? There it is right there in that line. Anything is possible if a person believes. And I love the father's response. He said, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. What, what, an, what an authentic thing for the guy to say. Uh, this is one of my favorite quotes in the whole Bible because I feel like this is my life, and probably your life too, unless you're just so much you know, more spiritual than I am. But like, I'm just gonna be honest, because I have the mic. Like, this is me. I do believe, but I also don't believe. I do believe, but I also have doubts. We learned a few weeks ago that, that doubt is not the opposite of faith. That doubt is normal. We all have doubts. If, if you're here today and you say, I've got some doubts, join the family. That's all of us. We all have doubts. If you, if you don't have doubts, then I think you're pretending. I think you're lying. Because we all have doubts. And I love that this dad is just honest about it. I do believe, but I also don't believe. I do believe, but I also have some questions. Like I know, I think I know you can, but I'm not sure. That's all of us. And Jesus would say to all of us, anything is possible if a person believes. And you know what we're gonna find out is it's, it's, all, it's not about the measure of your faith. It's not about the size of your faith. It's about the object of your faith. But we'll get to that. I just have to point out this other thing when Jesus said anything is possible. That's the first time he says it in the Gospel of Mark. The next time he's going to say it in the Gospel of Mark is in his own prayer. And it's when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane in chapter 14. And he's getting ready to go to the cross. And you know what he says to God the Father? He says, Father, I know that anything is possible. Literally what he says, literally the same thing. I know that anything is possible. So take this cup of suffering from me. That's what, the, that's what Jesus says. I know this principle that I told the Father in Mark 9. I know the principle, anything is possible. I believe it, but Jesus said, so take this cup of suffering from me. But then he follows it up with this. But not my will be done, but yours. So I think when we talk about this sermon, I, and, and we're gonna get to the faith part here at the end, so hang in there. But before we do, I just need to say, like, the heart of Jesus, the way Jesus prayed is the way that we should pray. We're gonna invite you at the end of the service today to pray. If you've got a prayer need, we wanna pray for you today. It seems fitting that this sermon is about faith and trusting in Jesus and anything is possible 
and we're gonna give you an opportunity to come up with us and we're gonna pray for you. And we're gonna pray fervently, but we're gonna pray like Jesus prayed. We know anything is possible, but we're not God, you are. Anything is possible doesn't mean everything will happen. People still die. Jobs are still lost. Relationships are still broken. It's more about the attitude that we have as we approach the Father in relationship with him. We, we can't demand our way, but we can come to him and desperately beg him. And this is what the Father does. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And so when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, because he didn't, he didn't want it to get even bigger, because he, he still was careful about not letting everybody know. He, he knew he was kind of on a timeline a little bit. And so he's like, okay, before this crowd gets too much bigger, he's just like, it's time for me to act. And so he rebuked the evil spirit. He says, listen, you spirit that makes this, this boy unable to hear and speak. This is exactly how I talk to the guy at the counter. This is so awesome for me. This is so, like, listen, you worker who keeps my daughter's car from working. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Oh, man, I would have loved to be there for that. And the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion. Like, he just had to take one more dig. He had to try one more time because this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Three times now we've seen it, not to mention all the times since the boy was a child that he tried to kill this child. And now Jesus finally takes authority. And it says the boy appeared to be dead. And a murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. So if a murmur runs through the crowd... This had to be a minute. I mean, just picture this. He's writhing and foaming at the mouth. Jesus is having this interaction with the dad. They, the crowd probably can't hear the conversation, but finally Jesus calls it out. He casts out the demon, and the kid is dead. Now, he might have been dead. All, all Mark knows is that he appeared to be dead, but he might have been dead. Jesus can raise the dead, you know. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to the feet, and he stood up. Now, this is the New Living Translation that we're reading, but if you, if you have Eric's favorite translation, which is the ESV, the extra spiritual version, the ESV says, he arose. Does that sound familiar? Some commentators think that this is a, a preview of what Jesus is going to do. They thought he was dead, and he was dead for three days. But then he arose, and so he stood up, and he was healed. And then, as Mark often does in his, in his gospel, he's going to give us the lesson at the end. It says, afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, so why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we cast this evil spirit out? I mean, you, you gave us authority to do it. We've done it before. We, we just read that, I think, in maybe chapter six or seven. Like, we've done it before. We've done it, we've done it many times before. Why couldn't we do it this time? And Jesus replied, this, guy, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Here's what I think 
I mean, it doesn't say this, but here's what I think was happening. I think the disciples had gotten comfortable with their exorcism verbiage. I think that the other times that they had been doing it, they just had come to think, they, they had come to expect that if they were to say the words just the right way, like, okay, here's how, how did, hey, Thomas, how did you say it the last time? Remember the one time when you cast a demon out of that one woman? How did you say it? Oh, that's, here's how I said it. I said, get out in the name of Jesus. Okay, cool, yeah. And, like, I think that they just kind of got to this place, and can't we sometimes do this too in our walk with Jesus? I think they got to this place where they, they felt like they had it figured out, and they, I think that they were relying on their words or maybe even possibly they got the wrong idea that it was their ability. And I wonder if maybe as Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain with Jesus, if the nine disciples, the dad came and did it, and they're like, yeah, good, we get this, we know how this works. And I wonder if maybe they just kind of tried to do it on their own power. Because, because prayer is what, what prayer is all about. According to the Bible, prayer is just all about like our connection to Jesus. It's about our connection to God. It's about our dependence on God. And I think when Jesus said this kind can only be cast out by prayer, I think he's not just, I don't think he's just saying like you should have prayed over him instead of just said the word, the magic words. I think he's talking about it in a broader sense. I think he's saying like, have you lost your connection with God? And have you gotten to the point where you just feel like I'm, I'm kind of, I'm running on fumes in my spiritual life? My challenge to us today, as we consider these words and as we, as we think about even this question that we started with, where do you turn when faced with the impossible? My, my challenge to us today is, is to just go back to the basics and it's just what Jesus said is, let's just go back to prayer. Like, let's focus back on that vital connection with God and say, God, I, I need you every moment of my life. Like, I need you for everything in my life. And, and forgive me for, for sort of getting comfortable with the way things have been going. Forget, forgive me for... Maybe just assuming that what you were able to do before, you'll do again, maybe because, because of me. And help me, to, help me to come back to you and rely on you. Because anything is possible with Jesus. It's not just anything is possible. That's not, that's not the point. The point isn't, like if you really believe in it, the universe will give it to you. Now the point of this is Jesus has the authority and the power to do anything that he wants to do in our lives. The question is, are we connected into him? And is our focus on him? Now I wanna encourage you if, you, if you've been struggling with that impossible situation in your life, I wanna just encourage you, like have you, have you just turned to Jesus like this desperate father and be honest about it. Say, God, I, have, I believe, but I also don't believe. I have faith, but, but my faith isn't perfect. He loves that kind of response. 
And then just to connect in with him and say, God, whatever, whatever you want, your will be done like Jesus prayed in the garden. Anything is possible. Let this cup of suffering pass from me. But at the end of the day, it's your will, not mine. I put my faith in you, Jesus, not in me. I put my faith in you, and I trust you to do the impossible in my life. I want to encourage you. We're going to pray here to close, but I want to encourage you then here at the end. If you, if you have that desperate situation, and maybe you haven't even thought about turning to Jesus. Maybe you've, you've turned to mom or dad, or maybe you've turned to doctors, and maybe for you, possibly, Jesus is like the last resort, like prayer is the last resort. Well, prayer should be the first resort. It should be the first thing we go to. God, I need you in this situation. Help me in this. And if that's you today, we're going to have some leaders. They're going to be up here with me. Pastor Eric will be up here as well. We just, we want to pray. We want to, we want to see if maybe God's going to do some impossible even today. So if you're here today and you have a prayer need, we'd love for you to join us. But let's pray first. God, I pray, Lord, that in this story as we see this father that, who was so desperate, God, I pray that we would be as honest as he, wa- as he was 2,000 years ago with Jesus, that we would admit that we can't do it without you, and that we would admit that our faith isn't perfect. But I praise you, Lord Jesus, that the point of this is that it's not about the measure of our faith, but it's the object of our faith. And I pray that we would make you, Father God, the object of our faith. I pray that we would trust in you and you alone for the impossible. And even today, God, for the people who are here who have that need, God, I pray that they would have the courage to come and lay it at your feet. And we trust you for the outcome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.